What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast here on this Friday, the day before we start conference play officially. I'm Mike Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, it's family weekend, and hopefully we can expect a lot of people to show up tomorrow. Uh, Two o'clock game against the Fighting Hawks of North Dakota. They are ranked 19th. We are 24th. Uh, it's going to be, you know, we we'll talk about it. We faced them last year, almost lost when they were beat up as a team, and they're a decent team coming out of this week. So we're looking forward to it. what's going on. Yeah, coming off a obviously a huge victory um, with our backs against the wall, facing uh, 0-3 right in your face. Um, but be able to overcome that, and um, like we'll get into here in a little bit, but. Jacob Garrett says our team's almost still with our back against the wall. You got to start here with conference, conference opening up. I mean, I mean, you become a team. Technically, the team coming in at the top of the leaderboard is the only team that's one to know in the conference. They already played their first conference game against you and I. So, um, yeah, another opportunity um, to get a good crowd out there, family weekend, and uh, win in front of your home fans. And we haven't been very good at that lately. No, and you're right to remind everybody that North Dakota did have that game against Northern Iowa uh, when it was a close game. And we know Northern Iowa has struggled so far here in North Dakota. Uh, we talk about how basketball has weirdly like conference games in between still the non-con, and that's what football is. So that was a weird first game or first matchup there for them. But, yeah, they are 1-0. But we recall, obviously, our struggles before last week that – you know, obviously, you don't want a lot of losses on your resume, but as soon as you hit conference play, a lot of things can change for you, and the juggernaut that is. So we will talk about the Fighting Hawks here at the end. Quotes from Mick Hill. Some interviews you alluded to. Jacob Garrett, he did speak with Saluki Radio. They uh, talked to North Dakota's head coach. We'll get into around the FCS. Should be a, should be a shorter episode today. We'll talk about uh, the commits, obviously, NFL Salukis, we forgot to do that in the last episode of what they did this past week. There's really only one to report on, I guess, at the moment. So we'll see what Jeremy's up to, and then we will uh, we'll talk about some injury updates that you ended up listening to at the end of Nick's presser that he alluded to only. Uh, it's a short one. We'll get to that, and then maybe some depth, depth chart changes. We always check that on a week. We'll check to see if anything's changed there. So, no, let's start off with – because we, you were reading it off earlier, and it was, I think it's a good time three weeks in now to uh, before conference play hits to see where we rank stats wise. We'll, we'll see what we are and the, like our opponents when we face them. And then we might have some, you know, small things around the FCS where we rank around there. But no, let's dive into any stats so far this year. We can go through them, honestly, all just to compare us and our opponent. But any others, you can do that to start off with, and then maybe some ones that stick out that surprised us. Yeah, just looking at uh, what our opponents done. Starting off scoring wise, uh, we're scoring 30, 30 points a game, but we're allowing because of that really that week one blowout. We're allowing forty point six points a game, and that's uh, that's why you're one and two. I mean, obviously, week one was what it was, but you allowed thirty four in week two at home, and um, twenty four last week was could have been less than that, but uh. A late touchdown there at the end by Northwestern, but yeah, forty points a game. That's that's not great. Um, just things that stick out. Otherwise, uh, we talk about red zone percentage. How Nick Baker talked about, it, Nick Hill talked about it. We want to be more efficient. Um, red zone scores were twelve out of fourteen, so um, we scored points twelve out of fourteen times inside the red zone. Eight of those. 14 were touchdowns, so four field goals. Um, so uh, starting to be more efficient, but defensively in the red zone, um, teams are 10 for 10 against us. Nine of those are touchdowns. So uh, efficiently, offensively, became more efficient. A lot really good, really good uh, red zone possessions last week at Northwestern. Um, but defensively, we got to tighten up a little bit. Yeah, I know. And back to the first set you said of us 40.6, I looked to see where that ranks in the FCS. We are ranked 105th in scoring defense, which is obviously on the final page. There's only three pages. Northwestern State allows the most at 52.6. You're right, though. I mean, we had 64 points 
allowed to uh, incarnate word. And then what was it? It was at least, what was it against SEMO? I mean, we haven't obviously, you know, that was a terrible first game, but we, yeah, 34. And then we allow 24 against Northwestern. So, I mean, we definitely got to get better at not allowing as much at all that stuff. You're right on, uh, I think definitely the red zone for us. I mean, that's, that's a good thing. We know how obviously we multiple times about the struggles of that, that, uh, do we recall the two that did not work out? We know uh, Jake, how many field – he's only missed. Those were his only two missed field goals of the year, right? So, I mean – and they were outside the red zone, 40-some yards, as we know. Do we recall any uh, – in the first three – it might have been some, like, obviously, incarnate word. I think we were turnover on downs a lot, maybe some in that game of the two. But, that, I mean, 12 for 14 is obviously great. And allowing 10 for 10 and none of those touchdowns, yeah, we got to get better – at that, and then we've allowed 11 sacks, yeah, for 60 loss of yards. Um, let's look at our punt average. Uh, 41.6 get to the opponents of 42.6. Obviously, that has nothing to do with well, – we haven't blocked a punt. You know, we're just still in coverage. They just haven't punted as well either, but that is better than ours. Uh, anything else? I mean, we have, we have outscored our opponent, it appears, right, 231 to 212. Uh, yards 356. We've allowed 440. That's thanks to, yeah, that's Lindsey Scott and those boys from week one as well. But uh, and only 11 touchdowns as a team. But I mean, overall, I mean, outside of allowing 40 a game just because of the first game, I mean, we kind of like where we're at. I think the red zone percentage is actually a really good, uh, you know, like we said, because we thought it was just terrible to this point. So, uh, rushing 514. I mean, that's something. We're only allowing 395. I think that's got to say something. You know, that's a lot of Nick. That's a lot of Romir the first couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, all of our rushing attack, our receivers as well. I, mean, that's, I think we're doing a good job at that. But no, a 395, I mean, that's, I mean, we know Hole from last week and then the weeks prior. Uh, do we, I mean, Incarnate Word, you know, Lindsay was just doing everything. They ran the ball a little bit, but I mean, it's good to see that we've, we've, rush for more yards than we've allowed i'll let you discuss on that then i'll go back and look to see where we rank in allowing rushing yards what do you think of that yeah obviously uh week one a lot of the plays came from um passing plays um so i mean rushing i know obviously last week hole has the first half i think um northwestern was over 100 easy in the first half but i think we buckled down and it was less than, I think, 60 yards rushing for Northwestern in the second half last week. And I'm pretty, and I'm, and I'm positive that we, Geno Hess was under, I think, like 68 yards himself. And I think maybe their quarterback had a couple yards. So uh, under 80 yards there. So rushing defense, that's really been our strength. You see a lot of our players are uh, better at coming downhill and making tackles. We talked about Antonio Fletcher. Uh, PJ Jules, then our linebackers and Zach Barola and those guys, and those guys in those interior defensive line, really, really good run rushing defense. Um, we shored up the pass defense a little bit last week, but yeah, I mean, not a lot of guys, not a lot of teams are going to have success um, running the ball against us unless it's a, I'd say, the only team that sticks out. It would be North Dakota State. Yeah, I know, and. It's a we're 25th on here. We only we allow 108 a game, uh, and only like 3.3 yards per rush. So, I mean, that's we've done a good job. We said that that was maybe we knew we'd be confident in other areas per se. And uh, I mean, only three yards of carry is good for the first three games. You're right, that probably is the only team we'll see that could do that to us. We figured with you know, we know North Dakota doesn't have uh Otis Way anymore, he could have been a problem. We know they have a quarterback that can run, you know, their backup, as we talked about, and we'll get into again. But, uh, you know, Hole, and then you had uh, Gino Hess. I mean, he did okay against us as well. So, I mean, we face good ones to this point. We know we'll get Jaleel McLaughlin at the end of the year. So, he might run all over us as well. So, those, those final two games could end up obviously being the ones we allow the most. But to the to that point, hopefully it's not. So, and we know Missouri stayed with, Shelly's got a good rushing attack and, you know, what they got. They got good players, clearly. So, it's good to see us ranked only that to that point. So, yeah, outside of that, I mean, anything – I don't think anything else sticks out. Like I said, we're, we're, we're proud at some of these to, to an extent and, like, where we are, that's not too bad or 
obviously too good. We're 80% on fourth down, but yeah, we do allow 87.5 on fourth down. So obviously a lot of things to improve on that. We continue to do every single week. No final thoughts on this or anything. I looked up individual stats. We'll look at us off our website, FCS, PJ, Chris Harris, and Antonio, I think on the first page are only uh, individuals and tackling, which we know is a big part as well. But PJ and Antonio got about three fourths of theirs or two thirds of theirs in uh, last week's game. So, I mean, Chris Harris led us to tackles to start the year. So, and it's weird seeing PJ because he's bounced around, been out of the game, dealing with an injury, and he's still leading us. So that just shows you how good he was last week outside of that couple of plays. We said that he kind of maybe struggled. Uh, but outside of that, Noah, let's get into any individual stats stick out to you of who's leading us and what. Yeah, I was just going to run through a couple rushing. Um, we talked about our rushing attack, the three-headed monster. Ramirez leading the way, obviously. Um, he's been the main back. 179 yards for Ramirez so far. Uh, that's 57 a game. Right behind him is Javon. He has 85 with like 27 a game. Um, but receiving Avante leading the way with 151 y- 151 yards this year on, um, I think, 14 catches. So uh, two touchdowns, 50 a game he's averaging right now. Then right behind him, Javon, 11 catches for 134 yards. So he's averaging 44 uh receiving a game and 27 rushing so uh um he's doing it all right now so Tyson Deontay and Jacob Garrett right behind those guys so um Nick Baker spreading the ball around I think Nick's stats uh 62 for one or 62 completions um 60.7 or 60.7 percent completion percentage I know he wanted to improve that on this year. I think he threw his 65 last year, so going to have to get going on that. He's thrown for 664 yards, five touchdowns, two interceptions, so a TD to interception ratio, five to two. That's pretty good. Um, we like that right there. Uh, 221 yards a game he's passing for, so um, some good individual stats. like to see those rushing numbers get up there a little bit. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that's an indication of uh... – you know, a healthy offensive line, or we talked about it earlier, and we'll get to it maybe that hopefully they go with this, like whether whatever it says on the depth chart or whatever it says, we know every time they tweet on game day or right before the game of who's starting, it's never accurate. It's the same picture they post all year. So maybe if that's the same, we can maybe rush a little better. Again, definitely more than last week. Uh, yeah, I think we would agree that Nick's done an okay job to this point. We, you know, we were dogging him after the first game and then at times in SEMO missing plays. And that's a big reason why we lost. But, you know, this past week jolted him confident. We talked about how his story with Northwestern, he was mad. They didn't recruit him and all that stuff, but maybe that gets him confidence going. We're getting, starting to get a little bit more healthy. We know Isaiah's coming up. We'll get to more injury reports, but uh, just, he, you're right. He is spreading the ball around. And that's just an indication. If we get guys healthy, over time that Nick will take off even more because we know the two picks, the one off of Vontae was, you know, both of their faults. He threw it behind him, but it, like you said, if, you know, it hits the hands, you should catch it and stuff. And that tipped off him and someone jumped on it. And so three, you know, three games is a really, really short sample size. And I think obviously when we get into conference play, uh, obviously those stats would matter most. So, and we'll do this. I think we'll do it like, Maybe every three weeks since we started it now, we might do it like three games in a conference play, give a, a lowdown of where we are. Cause obviously, as a team, we expect to be hopefully in good shape and we'll see how our stats, if they back that up. Cause obviously, if you're, if you're putting up the stat sheet, then you expect to win a lot. So we'll get into that uh, more as the season goes on. So, Noah, let's move on now to the commits again and what they're up to tonight. And then uh, we had some more recent offers and like visit pictures of maybe some players showing up tomorrow. And then we also made a final list and we'll also jump back to one that we'll have next month. That is an important one as well. Let's jump into the commits games first. Yeah. Um, let's uh, start down in Alabama with uh, Tyce Cotry and Carmelo Smith. Um, Prattville, the Prattville Lions, they're two and two on this year. Um, got back after losing two in a row, got back on a winning streak last week, like we talked about. They are on the road tonight at Stanhope Elmore. Um, Stanhope Elmore is one and three, so uh, the Lions 
and our boys down in Alabama look to get over the 500, 500 mark. Uh, out in Kansas, Miles Wash, uh, Derby is on the road as as well tonight. Or no, they're actually at home tonight against Hutchinson, a 3-0 Hutchinson team. So uh, a big game. Derby is 2-1 on the year. So um, they look to improve the 3-1. Um, I think they're the only commit that has a home game tonight. But I think Blaine Halley and Olympia, um, they are also at home tonight. The only two that get home games tonight. Blaine Halley and Olympia, 2-2. Two and two, um, Off to a great start. Then they've hit a rough patch playing some pretty good teams. They're at home tonight against New Berlin, Franklin, and Waverly Co-op, a 3-1 team. So um, Blaine and Olympia look also to get over that 500 mark. Um, Aiden Durag and Crown Point, um, they're still undefeated, 5-0. Uh, the Bulldogs are on the road tonight against a 4-1 Valparaiso High School team. So um, looking to uh, extend the undefeated streak, see if they can run the table still. Um, they're having a great season. They're continuing it. Down in Georgia, um, our guy Amir Dwight and the Chris County Cougars, they're 3-1. and one. Also on the road tonight against a north side team that's two and two. So look to improve four and one there. So um Amir's having a pretty good season. I watched some of his huddle highlights the other night. Um looking at others going down to Florida, Caleb Wagner and the Baker Gators. They are three and one on the year. Um they're also on the road tonight against an undefeated Northview team. So a tough matchup there on the road. Um in a non-district matchup. So then our last guy, um, we've talked a little bit about him, talked to him, Logan Minton and the Lafayette Lancers. They're three and one. They're on the road at Parkway West, also three and one team. So pretty good matchup up there in St. Louis area. So our guys, a lot of road road games for our guys this week. So battle tested on the road, some pretty good teams. And we got some guys trying to get over that 500 mark. So um, best of luck to our guys this weekend. We'll update you guys on Monday. Yes, and speaking of Logan, yeah, he posted, he tagged, he tagged us, and the uh, good luck tweet that we that the team made for him, Dog Check Twenty Three, a cool edit. He posted that, tagged us with the team, so that's cool. Yeah, we'll be hearing from him maybe uh, tonight or tomorrow about his game, and then yeah, we'll either talk to him or you'll get the information as well. I'm sure, hopefully, the same information that we'll cover, and then everyone else as well. So. Good job once again. Segway now, Noah, to a couple offensive line uh, offers that we've made recently that we found. Let's dive into those kids. Yeah, we got some couple of JUCO guys. Uh, one that started his career at Northern Illinois. Um, he's out at ICCC. Uh, JUCO, pretty good out in Iowa. Um, 6'4", 305, Jack Wilty. Um, looks like a pretty big old man. Um, his highlights are right here. Um, might the, might check them out. Looks like he's um, a dis, he graduates in December, so he'd be able to get here early. Look like for the spring, be able to go maybe through winter workouts and stuff like that. Looks like he has three years. It says three for three, so three years eligibility left right there. Um, then one today, Aiden Logan, um, at a Butler Community College. We've been on some guys, um, from there in a while. He's from Carthage, Missouri, so, um. Maybe he wants to come closer to home. Six, six and a half, 330-pound offensive tackle. Yeah. An offensive guard he can play. So, it says four for four in his bio. So, maybe he has four years after this year. So, that would be also a big one. Um, we know we could always use that offensive line help, look for depth. Um, then Nick, Nick mentioned um, we have some visits. Quinn Brown, um, he got invited, a 6'4", 240 off. 240-pound offensive lineman. He's a 2024 guy um, out of Winsville, Missouri. So um, we're starting to hit that 2024 mark. Um, I think there's been a couple others. If I can scroll here and find the other one I remember seeing. Um, I don't see it off the top of my head, but um, Nick mentioned we have a – we made some lists. We want to bring up uh, at Alan Middleton again um, from McKendree. Um, he's supposed to be committing here in a month or so. We're on his list. Then the most recent one, Cameron White, a 6'2", 185-pound wide receiver at a Huntsville High School in Huntsville, Alabama. 
um, has a 3.4 GPA. Um, we made his final here on the September 30th. We made his final six. Uh, it's us, Arkansas State, Fordham, North Alabama, UT Martin, and Lake Erie College. So uh, as another Alabama guy. Um, hopefully we can add him to the pipeline. I think Huntsville High School is where originally Jacob Foss was from, even though he's long no longer here. But we've recruited that high school before, so hopefully Jacob maybe can give us some good word in there and get some get another receiver in here for next year. Good point. Yeah, I mean that. I think that's an indication. You know, he probably played with Foss clearly, and he knew where his quarterback was probably headed. So there's definitely some familiarity within that school. He does have – he looks like he's got better offers for him than Middleton. We know Allen is a three-star, but he's really good. We know, yeah, like you said, he trimmed his list. We're, we're liking where we are on his for next month. And then, yeah, a week from today with Cameron White's uh, Arkansas State, we know breeds wide receivers. They had one that went to the NFL. And then, obviously, UT Martin, if they stay the standard of the OBC, we know Simo's good this year. And maybe some people are picking Simo to maybe win that conference. UT Martin's good, though, so – some some good options there for him, so we'll definitely keep an eye on for, you know, liking our options to get him as well. I mentioned some of these linemen. I mean, yeah, six six, that is massive. Uh, you know, and especially obviously, if you have that much eligibility, you know, obviously over time you can work your way in. We know we have a lot of young tackles as well that could that could get in. Obviously, these are just offers. We're not landing these kids yet, but it would be nice to have because our depth has been tested this year. Uh, and like we said, coming off this week, our lines look good. So we just want to keep building that year by year. And uh, These kids with eligibility that can come in because we know Jacob Coffell came in. And he was all of a sudden our starting center. Like we didn't expect that. We know that's maybe because Calvin's hurt. But, uh, you know, if you come here and you have experience and you're not just like a true freshman coming in, you could play. If You know, if you play, if you play well and your number's cold, you can get in here right away. So hopefully some of these uh, kids that are getting offered realize that maybe they can come here and, develop even more i mean that's a lot that's combined seven years of eligibility with those kids so that'd be nice and hopefully we can land those receivers as well so good job on that once again yeah uh looking forward to seeing uh some more kids with those lanyards for those visits tomorrow and looking forward so yeah looking forward to that so no no like i said we didn't talk about nfl salukis last week like we said jeremy i think is the only one we've been needing to talk about and look when they lost to the giants last week he had about five tackles three of his own He's always at the top of the Panthers in that. And then he's also <clears throat> or they play the Saints on Sunday. <clears throat> so expect him to be active in that once again. I actually haven't looked the last couple of weeks. I could go to the Seahawks here real fast if you unless you have anything on Ryan Neal if he's been active. We know he made the roster. Yeah, I did Let's see, see once Jamal Jamal Adams went down for the year. Uh Ryan Neal was supposed to get more maybe Good some point. more playing time. So I'm sure he was probably pretty active last week. Um, he has no stats for last week. So um, yeah. I know he's usually a big special teams guy, um, but he was supposed to get more some more tick uh, once Jamal went down. So I thought he'd get some playing time, but no official stats yet. Yeah, and even, you know, if he gets tackled in special teams, he'll he'll usually make like a box score. I was looking on ESPN, yeah. right? So maybe there's another box score he can make for at least a tackle. You're right. Special teams is his key. But you're right, no Jamal, Jamal, no more Jamal Adams. That means that hopefully Ryan can make the field at some point. They're, they're going to have a, I'd say, a tough year. They've shocked some people in the first couple of weeks, but they're expected to have, have a uh, 500 or less season. So there is that. And then, uh, well, yeah, we had uh, more NFL teams visit this week. The Cowboys are the most recent one. Yeah, Vikings, uh, uh, the Packers, and Jeremy and Madres Panthers. So. That continues to happen week by week, working hard in practices for the week and knowing that scouts are in attendance. It's good to uh, have these guys working hard because if they work hard for them in practices, then maybe it'll uh, translate to that Saturday's game. So there's that. No, now let's jump to we know Stone Labanowitz. He We talked about it, the throw that he made and the great spring playoffs that he had for us. And that revolving door of the early part of around that time when Nick was evolving, maybe at some point clearly into the starter, Correa Lyles was involved. But Noah Stone got the job, as we know, and did what he did. We know that he moved to Florida and has been working for ESPN Radio over there. Uh, 
but it, no, it appears that he'll be doing our game tomorrow, which is, which is odd. Just knowing that he, you know, it's, it's his alumni, but he gets to, you know, come all the way here from Florida to do a game. Now he's working more ESPN broadcasts and we're thinking, because we know we saw him with Connor Onion as well, right? They have a podcast together. We think Connor could have been maybe involved with that a little bit, but it's cool to see Stone doing this game. Noah, he also had an interview with Nick Baker. That was a good one. Yeah, it was. It's, yeah, it's really cool um, to see. Um, he's down there for ESPN West or ESPN West Palm of 106.3 FM. Um, working for them and he's working a little bit. Um, for ESPN Plus, I guess, for here, um, he's part of, he's a co host also of that FCS Nation radio. So uh, he's sticking around the FCS a little bit. It's pretty cool to see. Um, yeah, him tomorrow. That's gonna be pretty cool. Uh, obviously, be able to check it out, um, to watch the replay and uh, listen to Stone a little bit cover his old team. But yeah, he had Nick Nick Baker on talking about um, the honestly what's going in here, going here in the conference play, what's gonna happen coming off a big victory um, over Northwestern. Nick said it flips the season. Honestly, he said, um, but they both agreed that we've yet to put our best product on the field and uh yeah it's pretty cool to see um nick talk about him i think he also mentioned uh asked him honestly where he thinks we should be ranked in the country yeah and he said top 10 which obviously it's where they expect to be that's where they started the year that's where they probably expected to remain that hasn't been the case but that's the confidence we want our quarterback and our team to have at this point. They keep talking about how the confidence hasn't wavered. And if it stays to that level, they need to go out and prove it. Uh, but you're right. And Stone, I'm pretty sure he was on another thing, I guess, that asked about, uh, you know, why he went down there and like kind of like a weird ending to his career here, which it was. We were blindsided because we know it was a QB battle. We were blindsided when he left the program, when he wouldn't win the job. So, yeah, but it's good to see that he's doing well. And, him and Nick have relationships. Don't mention how he still got relationships. Great, he's got a great relationship with Coach Hill, uh, obviously. So then, like him coming here, I think that's really cool for him. And yeah, and it, it, he was meant. We we just know, obviously, hearing interviews with him and stuff like that, that he was made to have a job like this. So it's it's really cool that he gets to come do his alumni's game and uh, you know, unbiased. I'm sure he'll be on the broadcast, but and deep inside, he'll be rooting for you, right? And yeah, Nick expects to be in the top ten, and it, I think it does flip the season. I think he's right. Obviously, if you if you beat Big Ten, you expect this, you know, even in our tough conference, but these early games that are against good teams and a team that's ranked over us, but a te- teams that you should beat, especially at home. So, uh, yeah, that was a really good interview. We didn't listen to the whole thing yet. There's a snippet of there on the tweet from Stone. We retweeted yesterday. Everybody go listen to that. We know FCS Nation Radio. He's involved with them. And uh, they're a big they uh, they follow us back. They're a big FCS uh, account and podcast as well. No, and now we we talked about a little bit of Jacob Garrett's interview. I hadn't been able to listen to it yet. You said a little bit. You said he's a man of short words. You had a little quote there of what he said. Anything else that uh, uh, is Mike still or Mike Reese still doing these interviews? We know uh, True. No, True does been, the did, player. True, True did this one. Yeah, True's been doing the player interviews on like when it's released on Friday. Uh, but, yeah, Jacob Garrett doesn't say a lot, but um, as the leader of this team, he talked about uh, – Mike Truett asked him about the mindset of going into Northwestern last week, and he said, um, backs against our wall back, – our backs are against the wall, and we had to come out and uh, really really just fight. And they talked – he talked a little bit about uh, – he asked him about the tight ends getting involved last week. He loves that. He loves the guys. Mentioned all the guys in the room, Aiden Quinn, Remington Lutz, Tice, all the guys, John Vollmer, he mentioned also. all the, He basically named the whole tight end room. Um, really excited for them. Um, if you haven't listened to that, check it out. Um, it's available on Twitter. We retweeted it. Mike Reese put it out there. So you have to listen to that. Go listen to it. It's a good one. Yeah, and you mentioned John Vollmer there. We saw him on the sidelines. He looks the part. We're wishing that he can get in the game aside from just special teaming and standing on the sidelines, our tight end group's pretty good. And we know we haven't seen Remington on the field yet, but we can always, we can count Javon for how big he is. We know he's a running back out of the backfield, but he lines up wide a lot as well. We could put Javon in that category, to be honest. And, 
you know, Tice's big play, Jacob's red zone, and then but we can just get involved. It, it's great seeing our tight end girl. I think Pat Poor deserves a lot of credit. We don't talk about him a lot. He's been interviewed. You know, probably people haven't heard him talk or, you know, whatever about him in the last, you know, since last season at some point. But Pat's done an incredible job. We're glad that we've kept him around. He's been around for a while. We know we've had revolving doors of coaches, and he's been one of the constant ones. So that's good, and it's and it's segued to the field and production. And then Noah, they talked to uh, Bubba, North Dakota's head coach. We know that he was a uh, defensive uh, assistant or a defensive coordinator or a defensive coach on our team a long time for about nine seasons. Or he's in nine seasons now in North Dakota, and he was obviously with us for about five years from 08 to 13. And did you have a chance to listen to that interview? Yeah, I did. Um, always talk. It's always good to hear from Bubba, ex-coaches now. Um, he's been in the, at the head coach of North Dakota since 2014. Um, talk about his season so far. Um, Mike was uh, talked about last week's win for SIU. Um, asked Bubba thought they might have a chance to knock off Nebraska because uh, they were going in the fourth quarter, 17-17. But um, they've yet to put a full game together. They've been working on that. Um, had some really bad fourth quarters, he said. But um, then he asked them, talk a little bit about SIU and um, what the offense brings, and uh, they discussed their defense a little bit. So another good interview. If you have yet to check that out, go do it. Yeah, and we talked about it, and we'll talk about it again here shortly, that they play a lot of close games, and you're right, they're not able to finish the job in the fourth quarter. So maybe that could be a good sign for us. If it, if it does remain close, which – it probably will if we can at least, and, and you know, if they're, you know, if history repeats it for them, obviously that they're not able to finish games that will be able to finish it. So everybody always go check out these interviews we reach with. Sometimes we listen to them. We have time to, sometimes we don't, but hopefully every time we retweet them, people do. So when we talk about them, people kind of already have an idea of what the interview was about, but if it's obviously noteworthy, we will always discuss it. No, no, before we get around the FCS, we just noticed how, you know, on our win last week, because I just scrolled here and found it, that we did find Fox College Football, which is a main national Twitter account, had a post about FCS teams with a win versus an FBS team, and our picture's on there, and obviously we're on there for our game. Uh, Weber State, who we talked about in the middle of the rankings, they beat when they beat Utah State in a corner word over Nevada. William and Mary, and then a couple other games on here. Holy Cross even beating Buffalo in a close game, but it's good. To, it's cool to see us getting. That's the kind of a national recognition we want. A, uh, an account like this posting us and having our picture and having us on there. That's cool. And then we noticed, no, we always wanted because obviously we're super fans, and we see we saw the football account a couple of days ago post a behind the scenes look of Eddie Aldridge, who is the semi driver for the travel for our big semi who has gotten us he, – he said they've gotten, obviously, Massachusetts, Utah, Texas, North Dakota, and all places in between. We, we joke about it because we're, you know, we're big truck drivers ourselves, but not to that extent. And, but we did notice it at uh, Ryan Field. It's cool to, to see what this job's all about. Like I said, if we – because we're super fans, we would love to drive that because it means, obviously, we would take care of the stuff that's important and get to obviously go to any and every road game. That's pretty cool behind-the-scenes look. It's it's a really cool look, um, really cool video. Um, I've seen the I've seen the truck sitting at a house before, so um, just out in Marion. So um, yeah, I've passed coming from when I went down to Atlanta. Um, I've passed I passed Utah's equipment truck. Um, can't imagine going from Gainesville, Florida, all the way out to Utah. Um, yeah, that that'd be a really cool drop job, obviously, but. Um, they do a lot of work. The driving um, is pretty, pretty rough. I bet um, he only had to make a six-hour trip. But um, for for some of those bigger schools um, who have to go across the country, um, that job could be pretty rough. Yeah, we joked about how we would do it, but it would. They would depends what they'd be paying us. I guess it would be a tough job. Shout out to Eddie and his staff for. Doing all the – I couldn't imagine a trip up to, like, a Dakota or a Utah. Yeah, that, that would be excruciating. So, that, that is always cool. And then, now no, let's get around the FCS. We know there's definitely one game that sticks out above. Everybody should be on, like, the utmost national uh, 
uh, television channels for tomorrow. No, let's dive into some. We'll start out with that big one, and then we'll just rattle off others that stick out that are yes. on tomorrow. Starting out with that big one uh, over in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, Missouri State coming off a uh, – could have beat a top 10 in the country FBS team in Arkansas, had them on the ropes down there. Uh, would have been a Bobby Petrino revenge game. Um, but uh, Missouri State hosts – the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, um, Tucker Stat Tucker Craft still out, I believe. So um, that's gonna be a tough one on the road for the Jackrabbits. Um, they're coming off a big win over blowing out Butler at home and a UC Davis after that week one um, really ugly game against uh, Iowa, a seven to three loss with no touchdown scored. So um, I think I think Missouri State gets this one. Um, what I've seen at uh, Missouri State's offense. Um, now, what they did against an SEC defense last week, I think Missouri State at home gets a job done. I want to say I agree. They're just a really good home team. We know that uh, we play there again, so it'll be tough for us. If it's tough for South Dakota State, it'll definitely be tough for us. You're right. No, uh, no tight end for them still. They got the Yankee, Yankee Twins still, and they're just high-powered as heck. I think it's whatever the over is in this game that'll hit. I'm sure uh, easily, you know, this is whatever in the rankings, it's three versus five or six off the top of my head. I mean, it's two top 10 teams battle. It's not like, you know, us in incarnate word was a big one. It was the only ranked of week one, but this one's as big as it gets so far. So two juggernauts in our conference ESPN three doesn't do it any justice. It, it should be on the ESPN two or maybe even ESPN or even if ESPN didn't have it, it should be on Fox or at least something, you know, FCS, we know South Dakota State's pretty popular. Missouri State's got a well-known coach that maybe something like that could make it could have made it happen. But both of them had their chances against those Power Five schools, and if they they both would have got both those done, it'd be a rude awakening for us potentially. It would even be a even bigger matchup. But looking forward to that one. By far the biggest of the week. And also around the valley, um, what I think is an interesting one. I don't think it'll be close in the end, but North Dakota State travels to South Dakota. Um, we know we're playing up in that dome, Carson Camp and company. Um, North Dakota State lost last week. Should have probably – they should have beat um, Arizona on the road, so they lost their chance in the FBS win uh, with a 31-28 loss on the road at Arizona. Um, like I said, it's an interesting one. I don't think South Dakota State can uh, – I think North Dakota State will just wear them down uh, with that run game with Lubke. Um, some of the things he did last week were pretty impressive. So, um, then the other one around the valley, Northern Iowa travels to Macomb to play Western Illinois. Both teams zero and three. Uh, we know Western Illinois with a new coach. You and I, you and I, is just off to a struggle bus, or they are struggling. Uh, so, very interesting one. Two teams at the bottom of the Missouri Valley. Yeah, two teams hopefully we can take care of getting them both at home. Uh, but, yeah, maybe – I mean, we're thinking you and I might get that win at home or on the road, so maybe that jumpstart them because we play them shortly. And Western is always – we know they almost beat us at their place last year, that two-point conversion that we stopped. So anything can happen. That will be a snooze fest game. But who knows who jumps out yet. Yeah, two uh, winless teams going at it. And then I just noticed the only FCS team playing in a ranked team this week is Rhode Island at Pitt. We know Pitt's got Kavon Slovis at Kenny Pickett last year. Rhode Island should not win that game, thinking they won't. I don't think any, any others. It's just cool. it's funny seeing Balpo and, like, Drake and, like, reading us off or reading off some of the our, our Valley matchups and seeing those teams not in it. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Youngstown doesn't play. Uh Right, they have a bye this week, or I just haven't looked on. Like, yeah, them, or them, and Indiana State both off this week. Um, then some other matchups. Um, want to track Semo? They are at home against Central Arkansas. Uh, so expect Semo to improve to three and one on that one. Um, then the other one we want to track is down in the Southland Conference. Uh, Incarnate Word travels the southeastern Louisiana. Um, we know southeastern Louisiana is not the same as they were with Cole Kelly. Um, they are one and two of the end of the year, so um, expect Lindsey Scott and company to improve to 4-0. Um, 
crazy to see Lindsey Scott's already thrown for a thousand yards and he has 13 TDs to compare to one interception. So um, he's on his road to probably uh, FCS player of the year. Without a doubt, he's throwing for three, four, five touchdowns a game and also doing it rushing. So he's he's hands down the favorite right now. So they'll probably be looking to go to four and on the road. So that's that. And then we'll cover that, obviously, on Monday, those scores and those quality games. See who's off to good starts within the conference. We'll get to our game shortly. Before that, Noah, speaking of that game, let's dive through or quickly the uh, uh, before our game. The rest of the home games this year, North Dakota, Western, UNI, and North Dakota State. There is a flash sale, four-game flash sale that anybody has seen, about $31. That's available for people. Tim Leonard said the sale represents more than a 50% discount off the game day price. You would pay for these seats. It's a tremendous value and offers an affordable way for people to get on board with a football program that just beat a Big Ten opponent. He's right. No, I mean, obviously coming off a win like this, we said, well, if the team struggles, loses by 35 and loses at home to SEMO, something we shouldn't do and keep the wheel, that maybe some fans would lose interest. We've talked about how that can happen around here, unfortunately, and Definitely for football. You know, we wouldn't think it would happen as much for basketball. It's a, this is definitely a basketball school, but uh, Tim Leonard is right, right? I mean, you get a win like that, and our home crowd, that was great. It should show people that, you know, this team is obviously good enough to be doing stuff like that. They didn't even come out and see him. So uh, anyone would be in about 31 hours, 24 minutes at 8 a.m. on Wednesday is when it started. We know that it usually flashes to about, what, the morning of and stuff. So, yeah. Tim Leonard's not wrong on this. Oh, no, definitely not. That is a really good deal. Um, obviously, this is family weekend, and we know some of those other have special meanings and have different kind of, kind of things going on with them. Um, but, yeah, this is a really good deal most of the time. Um when I bought my ticket last week at the window, I was looking at the prices, and I think a chairback seat is like $40 for one game. So, um, great. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal that 40 bucks for just obviously a chairback seat's different than just a bleacher seat. But um, if you want a, a comfortable seat to, to get in, um, just buy a bleacher seat, then go inside and uh, give back. I think last week was the swimming and diving team. Uh, you can buy one of those nice bleacher chairs with a pad and a back to them. So you can, you can help them to get to conference and stuff. I think there was the swimming and diving team last week. So, um, yeah, that's a steal. We need to pack the stands. Um, this team's going to get is on the right track. Uh, so, uh, get out there and, uh, take care of this deal. Probably I would assume, I think the last deal with the $10 tickets last, last time went through Friday night. So it's probably ends the night. So you want to want to take, take advantage of it. For sure, and it shows the the difference. It's funny, you know. That's if that's at the ticket office compared to, you know, I don't know what they would. They probably be cheaper. Even no one, no one should pass up this deal. But just game by game, because we and granted, it was Northwestern against an FCS school. It's not another Big Ten opponent. We sat thirteen dollars sitting behind our bench over there. So, like I said, granted, that's there. It's not here, but it just shows the difference. People would buy it, you know, on on the website or on just any other app compared to at the ticket office the tickets could be definitely a lot different uh and then yeah i, I expect to have a decent crowd with family weekend so that's a wait and see so no that's quickly before we get into the preview let's dive in on a team updates really quickly we said how we didn't listen to the latter half of nick's interview from monday but you were and able to hear him because someone thankfully it should happen every week every day it almost seems like definitely every week an injury update. There's only one on this, and we'll dive into some that we saw that were injured this past week. Thankfully, they're all okay, but there was only one, according to Nick. Yeah, uh, shout out. Bucky asked this one this time, asked uh, the health of the team after the Northwestern game, because obviously not a lot of teams, when you're coming up playing an FBS opponent, more physical style game. Um, usually you don't come out as healthy, but uh, this one was uh, only one. It's probably week to week, and Raekwon Lindsey got hurt on a kickoff. Uh, I think it's more of a knee injury. Um, so he was up there with an ice pack on the sideline walking around. Um, after he got hurt, after he came out and took his shoulder pads off at halftime. So uh, only week to week. We know we noticed uh, Avante getting that hand looked at, but sounds like he's good to go. 
Yeah, and even it, it stinks that Raekwon, you know, in his final year in a pivotal death piece, death piece that well, we we talked about how Dewey Green came into the game maybe for him and had a sack at the game. So we know we have still good depth. It just stinks for Raekwon, who's got to deal with this week by week thing on a kickoff. We know he takes pride in special teams and stuff, and we should. And you get hurt on that, it happens, but that's unfortunate for him. Hopefully to get him back for some of these other pivotal games in a couple weeks. And then uh, you're right. And we know Isaiah, we saw him on the sidelines, like we said, looking to get him back in a couple weeks. Nothing on Bryce Miller. We know he barely played the second half. Uh, looking to get him healthy. We talk about Calvin Francis seems ready to go every game in case of emergency. He was celebrating and stretch on the sidelines. We'll see. And then or we know uh, – well, let's get to it now. No, obviously, the, the depth chart, we look at that every week, and whether it changes, some parts it does. We notice how it definitely changes on defense, maybe not on offense. But back to – or going to the offensive line, Sam Buck, we know he's been dealing with – we know he's been dealing with uh, a concussion, and he did not play last week. Maybe he will because he's still on there. Like I said, maybe they just don't change it. But hopefully, you know, we can get a healthy offensive line. The one that we had last week, like we said, a do Torre right tackle. I mean, that one seemed to work. If it's working against Big Ten school, it should work against FCS opponents. Hopefully that's what uh, sticks for uh, tomorrow. Yeah, one thing on the offensive line, if you notice, Sam Buck's still at that left guard spot. Uh, but Derek Harden Jr. was his backup, and now it's Jackson Saley. So uh, expecting Derek Harden Jr. I know he's hurt last year, had a knee injury last year. Expecting that's probably more of a significant injury. Did not get an update on him from Nick Hill. So with him off the depth chart and Jackson being the backup for both guards now, um, sucks for Derek Harden Jr. Yeah, we haven't really, it seems like ever, got a taste of Derek Harden Jr. Didn't play last year, and then he's still dealing with stuff here, and he didn't dress last week. It's unfortunate, but we know Saley's is always ready to go, and I think Abdu, we've been high on Abdu for a while. We know he's taking first-team reps and, you know, training camp. Granted, it's probably by injury. but uh, And Colin Smith, we talked about. So, people who played well last week need to be uh, uh, not honored, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, whatever for this week to be able to play. You know, they deserved it. Hopefully, they let, let that happen. If not, oh, well. But, no, flipping the defense, we noticed how – Zach Barola is now starting offense or outside linebacker. It was Dune Smith. He takes over him. Dune's replacing him behind him. Uh, Raekwon still, even though he's out, so they haven't updated on his end. He's still behind Richie on this depth chart. But we can expect to see uh, Dewey Green behind him now. Everything else still the same. Starters are the same. Uh, but no a surprise here. We noticed, and we don't want to speculate anything of any situations off the field of why he wouldn't. We know Antonio Fletcher had uh, – had a big week last week, had all, all of his tackles, and he's played well. I thought he deserved to obviously – I thought he was going to remain the starter all year, but that's not the case, Noah. Clayton Bush at strong safety, and P.J. at free safety. Antonio's backing up P.J. and Easton backing up Clayton. Uh, like I said, we don't know status with Antonio. Maybe he missed this week due to unfortunate events that maybe happened to him. Not sure because we're not thinking that he would have lost his spot uh, straight up after a good week. But, Noah, Clayton and P.J. back there. What is, what's the confidence in that? Obviously pretty confident in that. I mean, those are two, two of your veterans back there on that defense. Um, obviously, play we play a lot of guys, so expect to see Antonio mixed in there. But um, maybe, maybe going more of a uh, pass defense route, even though both those guys can come downhill and make tackles if need be. But um, maybe go and look for more of a passing look um, for conference play, or maybe it's just going to be a week-by-week, week, whatever they think what best best matchup would be um, at this point. Um, like you see in basketball sometimes, switching up that starting lineup. So, um, obviously, all the, all the uh, confidence in the world, especially in those two and PJ and Clayton, veterans on this defense and those corners sticking where they're at. So uh, pretty confident in those two. Sucks for Antonio uh, with a great week last week. Yeah, and we also noticed a cornerback. Colin Hurd's the backup for either side. We know Levi McCaffrey, we talked about him, hoping he would have been that guy. Appears to be injured, but no, we know Mark Davis, uh, you know, played a lot last game. And, you know, honestly, he had that, uh, that flag on him and stuff, but he actually made a lot of good plays. I thought he showed, you know, a lot of uh, 
you know, just confidence in the in the team to like throw him out there more. Surprised not seeing him on there. Other than that, everything's still the same. Uh, Nor you did notice Ross Pedro was a long snapper last week, right after, right after the tough week one, and then we know Ragnar had been uh, working like that, but we did see Ross last week, and we're thinking it's his, still his job. Yeah, looks like he's won that job back. Uh, maybe he was dealing with something. Um, but yeah, Ragnar now the backup again, Ross. Um, had a very clean week last week, so um, good to see him getting getting involved, um, fixing whatever issue he had. Obviously, there was weather week one, but um, wasn't getting the job done then. And that's all right, so we'll see how it all plays out. Now, Noah, into the Fighting Hawks. I got some quotes here from Coach Hill. We'll have our dog of the game picks as well as what we think the spread could be. We know we never see it. We'll get to that at the end, Noah, but let's dive into their to their personnel. Yeah, obviously, um, this is a team, uh, like we talked about, they are – they went on the road at Nebraska, um, and they took that Big Ten team just like we did. Um, they weren't able to capitalize. Um, they fell – it was 17-17, like I said, going into the fourth. Um, but ended up Nebraska broke off a lot and like 21 in unanswered. So um, this is a two and one football team. Uh, like I said, they won their first Valley game at home, 29, 27 over Northern Iowa. Then last week um, came down to late game situations, um, being able to convert and uh, beat on the road at Northern Arizona. Um, a tough place to play, 27-24 win. So um, they get the victory. They're on top of the Missouri Valley as of right now. Um, they've started putting some winning close games like they weren't last year. This was a team that was pretty close. Winning a lot of games last year, but last year they did not. Obviously, we mentioned you mentioned earlier this was an injury-plagued team when they came here last year. No Otis Way, but Tommy Schuster um, – Last year against us, 267 passing yards on 31 completions and a pair of touchdowns. Isaiah Smith um, had rushed for 100, 111 yards on 17 carries and a touchdown against us last year. He came in and picked up just where Otis Way would have. So um, Isaiah is back. Um, he's more of receiving back this year. Um, Rushing-wise, Northern Iowa tra- transfer Tyler Hoosman it's been a big pickup for them. Um, he has 245 rushing yards this year. He went over and two touchdowns. He went over 100 um, the last two games at Northern Iowa and at or at home against Northern Iowa and at Northern Arizona. So this is a team that plays a lot of close games. Um, do know nine? I didn't mention in Nick Hill's interview on uh, Monday that nine of the last ten games have been decided by seven or less points against SIU and North Dakota. So really close games. Um, strong defense brings a lot of different pressures. Um, they're led by Caden Kapanen um, on the year with 19 tackers, Ted Mullins. Um, they play a three, four defense. They bring some exotic looks, a lot of linebackers on the field. So um, they have a good rush defense. So I think it's could be more of a Nick Baker game, um, spread them out, take advantage of those, four linebackers on the field. So um, going to be a tough matchup. Um, we're at home. It's going to be a good game. Yeah, on the defensive side there, you're right. They're, they are linebacker heavy in their production and tackles. Yeah, their that defensive back has 19 to lead the group. They have a defensive lineman that's got two and a half sacks himself on the year. They have seven as a team. So, yeah, good pass rush. Expecting, like we said, just as good or – maybe better offensive line play like we had last week, hoping for that. Yeah, Tommy Schuster, uh, yeah, he had his moments last year. He's had a good quality year, 70% completion percentage is where Nick Baker said he wants to be. Five touchdowns to one pick. He's been sacked three times. Pretty quality, though, and he does have, you're right, Hoosman right there in the backfield. We've been stopping the run. He's getting six per. Hopefully we can stop that. He's got 46 is his longest, and then his backup, Smith, has got about a 60, 63 is his longest. So, and they – and Schuster can run, obviously. He's, you know, his quarterback, you know, you get sacked and it counts towards you at times, 16 for 23 himself rushing, but he does have a touchdown. So he can do it. And we know Quincy Vaughn. He had a big 
uh, part in their game last year, and he'll be a pivotal in this 6'4", 245. He will be a problem. He, he's he's literally like Javon. Whenever he's back there, you know what he's doing kind of thing. Um, you know, I guess they haven't been using him a whole lot. He's only got five as the biggest rush, eight for 20 on the ground, and he hasn't really thrown the ball. So uh, and he only has one catch on the year. So uh, I'm sure against us he'll be used a lot more. If we're not expecting it, then it'll surprise us because – and then I noticed no other kicking. They have their, their kickers eight for eight on PATs, field goals three for five. We noticed that last year their kicker was hurt and they had a replacement and he almost had the game tying field goal at the end there that was wide and it was a really uh, far kick. But like like you said, yeah, they close games. They stayed in that game when they shouldn't have. It all just uh, comes down to us being a quality home team but if they have we've struggled on good receivers this year at times Simo is really the only game maybe that sticks out along with week one but they do have uh good quality decent size about six one apiece uh receivers so one of them has or their other receiver is 108 yards 181 for Belquist the other backup or their second guy is about six four so they will definitely be tough. They kind of spread out their touchdowns and their weapons on that. So Schuster can't throw the ball. No, we've talked about how – I mean, he's one. He's still like four inches taller than Nick Baker, but hasn't there been – we've talked about how maybe like his size, he's been maybe undervalued because of his size, but he can definitely throw the rock as well. No, a quality year from Schuster. We'll have to keep an eye on him big time. What are your final thoughts? If you have anything else to add, then I'll get some quotes. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely comparable to Nick Baker. Um, obviously, he has a little bit more height. Um, but yeah, he he's he's hard to sack. He uses his feet, um, just like Nick Baker does. He has the arm to make any throw in the game. So, um, you did mention wide receiver Bo Belquist. Um, he was second team second team preseason, uh, Missouri Valley. Then they had uh, offensive lineman Donnie Ventrelli on that offensive line, second team as well. Then on defense, preseason wise, they had defensive back C.J. Seigel. Um, so then punter Cade Peterson, he was second team as well. So they had a couple – they had a, several second team members, and this team was picked seventh in the preseason to finish behind South Dakota and Northern Iowa right behind us. Um, expect them to finish higher than that. We know Youngstown was only picked ninth, but they'll finish higher as well. But uh, Northern Iowa will fall, and I think they can get above South Dakota. So they should find that 5-6 range probably – for this North Dakota Fighting Hawks team. Um, obviously, it's going to come down to uh, our offense and their defense, I think. Um, Bubba is a really good defense coordinator. He's a defense-minded coach. Like I said, bring some exotic blitzes in that 3-4 look. So, almost blitz on every play, bring that rush. So, offense line is going to have to be ready, prepared for anything. I think we can spread them out and take advantage of those linebackers on the field with some matchups. Like we did last week, you saw on the Tyce Daniel touchdown, he was matched up one-on-one with the Big Ten-level linebacker, and he ran right past him. So hopefully we can do that this week. Um, Like I said, nine out of the last ten games decided by seven points or less. It's going to be a good one. It wasn't supposed – last year we were ranked fourth in the country, and they came in, injury played, and they battled us till the end. So it's going to be a good one. Excited for it. It's family weekend. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely should not have had the game that was last year, but because they're coming back here, we recall obviously back to back years, them coming here, they kicked our butt in the first game of the COVID season two years ago. And uh, you're right, it's just, it's just the fact that, uh, you know, and you said their punter, they definitely, that's the epitome of a punter's name. There's actually something else I was going to add. Forgot, it might hit me here in a second. Or I was going to say, yeah, because Bubba is defensive centric, that's, you know, Nick's offensive centric, maybe that can, you know, that was kind of the case with Simo as well with, you know, I'm sure Nick obviously knows Bubba pretty well. He was here whenever, you know, maybe the latter part of Nick's career. And then uh, just in general, I, there's a Nick knows everybody, it seems like. So hopefully that can, can push that aside again this week. And you're right. I mean, our defense has a lot of expectations, a lot of expectations this week uh, after what they did last week. So, uh yeah, I mean, you're right. And we don't want to see, you know, granted, we were playing Northwestern. They run the you – know, we weren't successful running the ball. Hopefully we can this week and, you know, first down runs and typical stuff. But don't, you know, 
fall in love with the run because, you know, inside especially, get some outside runs. But, yeah, you're right. More uh, creativeness, getting our receivers involved more maybe on runs, just a lot more of that to take the top off and do all that kind of stuff. I think that we could see that, but with him being a defensive-minded head coach on the other side, it could take away a little bit. That is a wait and see. So some quick quotes here before we get into our picks. Uh, where Nick did mention Tommy Schuster that he's a winner. He makes plays. He gets hit or he gets sacked and takes a big hit. He'll be right back the next play. It actually reminiscent of the guy who's going to be on the call tomorrow, Stone Lebanowitz. Kind of that's kind of what Tommy Schuster. That's what I say. That's not what Nikhil said. That kind of just kind of reminds me of that kind of play style. And then he talked about he just wants uh, fans to come out for Family Weekend. He mentioned that COVID season when they kicked our butt last year. And, yeah, the full focus now, even after a big one last week, is on the Fighting Hawks. So, Noah, let's get into our picks. Uh, we talked about how – I don't think we – did we have – yeah, we did have post-dogs of the game. Let's do our pre-dogs of the game now. This week, who you thinking offensively should uh, be one to look out for tomorrow? Yeah, it's tough. Um, obviously, we know we, we're going to play a lot of guys on that side of the ball. Um, but um, I'm going to say – I'm going to say David Miller. Um, I think a corner that can make a play here, um, really step up. We know our corners, PJ and David, and we know PJ made the play to get Zach Brola an interception last week. Um, I'm going to go with David Miller have a good game. It's a good pick on defense, yeah. I'll go with – I think I want to go with Richie here. He worked really hard last week. If we can get to Schuster, he's a runner a little bit as well, but – uh, we got decent pressure last week, definitely the latter part of the game. Maybe Richie can maybe even have a little bit more strip sacks or force fumbles, but just get to the quarterback. I was going to say Branson. He's riding high. Hopefully he can continue his. For sure, no. What about offense? Offense, um, obviously you could go a lot of places here. Um, I'm going to say I'm gonna say Justin Strong. He's yet to really get going this year. Um I'm going to say Justin Strong gets going on the ground. We know they have a pretty good run defense, but um, need to get him going in the run game, and we could use him in the passing game. Um, we know Javon and Ramirez really been the go-to backs. Justin hasn't got a really lot going. I'm going to go different here and go Justin Strong. It's a good pick. Yeah, we picked him before. He hasn't gotten going. He's had moments this year, and we know Ramirez has been manning it. Javon's doing everything. We need Justin. We know he's coming off an injury, so – uh, and they were, like, kind of easing him into the season. Hopefully he can get going. I agree. I'll go with Zach Gibson because, you know, he starts every game. He has a lot of snaps, and he hasn't. And we know he had a couple catches last week. Hopefully he can get going because Avante's healthy, even though he was dealing with the hand. But we need more options there if we want to be pass-heavy tomorrow. So I'll go with Zach Gibson to get going again. And then Noah special teams. Uh, expect Jake to be a solid again. You know, we're not facing a front on special teams where they can block it even. Maybe the win won't be as bad either. You could go with Jake. Torney needs a bounce back, though, after bad punting. We talked about Simo. Hopefully we don't punt a whole lot. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Uh, who do you think in for special teams? Yeah, obviously, um, I'm going to go with – I'm going to say special teams. Um, obviously, we don't want him back there. But I think Javon Williams, um, he's had some good returns. Obviously, he had the one at the end of the Simo game and maybe get us in position to do something. But – um, don't like him back there, but um, he's been doing everything for us. So I think Javon ha could have a good game returning punts, uh, sometimes see him on kickoffs. They all go with TJ Atkins because we know he's been doing it. He's not on the we, – we've been seeing him a lot there. Maybe I'm just going like way too far out of the box because Roe and Justin are back there, but we do see TJ. Maybe he'll get a chance. I'll go with him a lot aside from the typical people. So, no, we mentioned the spread. Uh, we were really surprised last week, Northwestern, thinking it was going to be 20 or more. It was 12 and a half, then 13 and a half got up to whatever. We don't know what it is now. What are we thinking it could be? We talked about how because they're ranked ahead of us, whether that means Jack, Vegas does seem to like us. We've talked about it. Semi, you know, iffy home team, but a good, uh, you know, a, a good matchup here. What are you thinking? Are you thinking it's a, over 10? Are you thinking it's what, – what do you think? Yeah, I just look. I just happened to look looked it up to see what it was since we didn't have one yet. Uh, last year, headed into this game, we were a nine. We we're fourth in the country. We were only a nine point favorite at home against them. So I'd set it right around that. I was going to set it up like I was going to say it's about 
I was gonna say ten to eleven, but I'll say like I'll say ten and a half. Just throw out a number there for us. Um, either over a, I don't know. It could be right around nine. Uh, it could be less than that. But um, Vegas, obviously, this year we've been surprised with what they set it at. So, um, I'll just say a number. We'll set it. I'd let's just set it at ten. Um, that's a good flat number. That's what I was going to say, too. I don't think it'd be within that. I don't think it'd be too far out of that. I think the highest I would have gone is like 13 and a half, maybe, uh, because they do love us and we're at home. They like that about us for some reason, but I don't think it'd be that high at all. I, I'm thinking, yeah, seven to 10. I'll keep it around 10 for you. I agree with that. Let's expect us. Hopefully, we can expect a victory with that spread. Looking forward to knowing some quick final thoughts. Yeah. Um, obviously, family weekend, like we've mentioned a lot. Um, good to see more. A lot of people out there, family weekend coming home, um, seeing some of their seeing seeing their kids play, or maybe the band parents coming home to see their kids, uh, or or just even a student bringing their pa- family in to first see the football atmosphere. Um, we got to be able to. We got back on the right track. Obviously, backs against the wall last week. I still think our backs are against that wall. We got to be able to stack games here. So. Um, start off conference play on the right foot. Um, take that step forward. Uh, be one and zero in conference. Start us off here. Uh, headed into a road game next week. So, um, excited for another opportunity to see this team play. Hopefully, they can stack two games in a row. Yeah, I think it's just sustaining. We know this is no hold, no holds barred time in conference play. And I just, I'm looking at the app here and they got a picture of Nick console and Keenan and Mikel. We know two guys that have been here, done that great relationship with Nick really emotional after that win last week. I think the team should carry this confidently. Let's score a lot of points. Let's make a statement, the statement we've been expecting to make maybe it on the road to start week one, but definitely at home against Simo didn't happen. Let's score a lot of points and let's make a statement coming off one of the biggest wins in program history. That's bottom line. We mentioned Sam Herter, or I did mention him. He predicted us to lose this game, so let's prove him wrong. Let's prove a lot of national people wrong if they're picking us to not win this game. It's all about sustaining, though, and proving everybody wrong to get on the right foot this season going to the conference play. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. Until next week, as always, go dogs.